Well, God bless you guys, and good morning once again. Are you guys ready to get into the book of Jonah? You guys ready for this? All right, awesome. It's going to be great. We're going to spend about, like Stephen said, about the next six to eight weeks or so in the book of Jonah. It's going to be an awesome opportunity uh, to be able to go through this book together as a church. Uh, man, we love the Bible, all right? So if you if you love the Bible, you're in the right spot. You know, welcome. Welcome to Swerve Church. Uh, so I'm really excited about this series. Uh, to go through this whole book, our plan is to go verse by verse through this book of the Bible. On Sundays, we'll read a couple of verses together. Uh, like today, we're reading verses 1 through 3. And so we'll read those verses uh, together. And then during the week, the plan is, um, as we discuss the verses and as we discuss how it's applicable to our lives so that we can live it out, during the week in our life groups, as you guys just met our life group leaders, you'll be able to have a dialogue around what we speak about today. Okay, so we're going to talk about Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, midweek in your life groups. Guess what? You're going to have a conversation about Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And so it's a great opportunity to be able to just dialogue, have a conversation, ask questions, answer questions in our life groups. And that's why that's so important that life groups are kicking off this week. And we want to reemphasize that you have three options, Bushwick, Williamsburg, or Park Slope. Choose the group that you want to be a part of or choose the, the night, the evening that you have available, Wednesday night, Thursday night, or Friday night. And then allow that to dictate which, uh, part, which uh, life group you are a part of. Make sure you check it off on the back of the connection card because we want to follow up with you during this week. Make sure you commit to one this entire semester. Guys, you're not going to regret committing to a life group. Now, why? here's a question I want to ask you guys. Why are we so prone to disobey? Why are we so prone to disobey? Why do we like doing that so much? Like, Why do we like disobeying? You know, if you wanted to get somebody to do something, tell them to do the opposite. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, tell them to do the opposite and then they'll go ahead and do it because we're such rebellious people. And listen, if you don't have kids, maybe you, you don't understand this. But if you have kids, you know. Uh, you know you know exactly how it is right? With, with kids. You tell your kids, you know, go brush your teeth. Go clean up your room. Go pick up your toys. Go take a shower, right? Go do this and that. And guess what happens? The opposite, right? They don't want to do. They like to disobey. That's the response that you usually get. There's something about us that we are hardwired to disobey. Now, Jonah, he was a guy that disobeyed God. God told him to do something, and he disobeyed. He blatantly disobeyed. But as we study the book of Jonah, I want to caution you, and I want to warn us not to simply see the mistakes that Jonah did and think, what an idiot. Man, this guy is a buffoon, right? This guy is a moron. How, how could he just screw up like that? And it's very easy for us to look at the book of Jonah, read it, and be like, this guy's a moron, right? It's very easy to read it like that. Instead, I want you to look at two things. I want you to see two things. I want you to see how you're more like Jonah than you think. So as we read these verses, as we read the Bible, as we read this book, think about, hmm, I think I have a lot more in Jonah. I have a lot more in common with Jonah than I originally thought. And secondly, as we study the book of Jonah, I want you to look at God's character and look at his response to Jonah. Because in that response, what you're going to see is you're going to get a great picture of who God is. What you're going to see is that God is loving, that God is gracious, that God is kind, and that God is patient. Right? So as we study the book of Jonah, remember those two things. You have a lot more in common with Jonah that you, than you think. And God, look at the character, the attributes of God, and his patience, his love, and his kindness towards us. Today we're going to look at three things. One, two, three, wham, bam, we're done. Today we're having the grill and chill. And I know you guys want burgers. You guys want to hang out in the park and whatnot. So we got three points that we want to look at. Three things God does to runaways like Jonah 
like me. Everybody take your fingers and point at yourself, like me. Three things that God does to runaways, like Jonah and like me. Here's the first thing, number one in your notes, God calls. God calls. John, uh, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Here's what it says. You have it there in your notes. It's also up here on the screen. It says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And we have the very first verse one. Here's what's happening in this verse, guys. The very beginning of the book, Jonah, God calls Jonah. He gives him a very specific call. He talks, to, he speaks with Jonah. He gives him a specific thing to do. You see, Jonah was a prophet, right? He was a prophet, uh, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. And a prophet spoke, this is what a prophet was, they spoke on behalf of God. They were a mouthpiece of God. And God would communicate a specific message to a people or a group of people. That's what a prophet did. And I love this picture because it paints one of a God that communicates with his creation. Creator communi communi communicating with creation. We don't serve a God that is distant from his creation. He created us and then he's just up there just watching, laughing at, at all of us, you know, mess up. He actually interacts with his creation. He speaks to his creation. You see, he talks to Jonah and then Jonah hears his message and then communicates it to his people. So he's not just one person receiving a message from God. God uses Jonah to communicate his message to the people. So you see, everyone gets to hear from God. And what's interesting is that Jonah is the son of Amittai. If you like to take extra notes like I do, I'm going to have a lot of little extra notes for you guys. Circle the word Amittai. He was the son of Amittai. It's a name. But that name actually means this. If you want to draw a little line and write this, it means truth or faithful. Here's Jonah. He's the son of truth. He's the son of faithful. He's the son of Amittai. And when God calls you to something, when God speaks to you, when he calls you to something... You can respond in one of two ways. You can be faithful and truthful. Like, like Jonah's son of Amittai, son of truth, son of faithful. You can be faithful and truthful to God's calling. And you can say, yes, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, yes, God. You can allow God to be God and you can trust him no matter what. The other way to respond is to not be faithful and to not be truthful and to disobey, which is the way that Jonah responded. See, there's, there's two things to take away from this verse. One is that God still calls. Even today, God continues to speak. He speaks through his word. When we open up, when you open up God's word and you read it, he speaks through a, a, a teaching or a preaching. He speaks to you through the, the worship of a song. He speaks to you through people, which is why community is so important. He speaks to you by laying a burden upon your heart. God speaks. The second thing I take away is that when God calls, we have an opportunity to respond. You have an opportunity to respond when God speaks to you. When God tells we can obediently submit to the Lord's calling or we can in rebellion reject or run away from God's calling. So here's the question that I bet is on some of your minds. Oh yeah, Danny, if God calls then what is he calling me to do? If God speaks, Danny, then what is he telling me to do? Because I don't know what it is. Well, I'm so glad you asked. Let me try to clarify a little bit. Let me try to help you. Because the truth is, you probably already know. You probably already know what God is calling you to do. 
you probably already know a, a burden that God's laid on your heart. Because here's how you might know. The thing that you don't want to do, the thing that you've been avoiding to do, the thing you've been running away from, it's probably what God's called you to do. It's probably what God's called you. Let me say that again. The thing that you don't want to do, that you've been avoiding to do, and that you've been running away from, is probably what God has told you to do. For some of you, God has been communicating to you lovingly and over and over again how important it is to be in community. He's calling you not only to attend a church service once in a while, but to be truly committed and to serve and to plug in. And God has been telling you that over and over, lovingly telling you that over and over again. He's been telling you to be committed. He's calling you to stop making excuses and to be a part of a life group and so that you can plug in, so that you can grow, so that you can pray for others and so that you can be encouraged. God has been telling you to do that. For some of you, God has been calling you to fully surrender to Him. You, you've lived your life in sin and in rebellion. You've lived your life worshiping at the altar of self or you've lived your life in submission to attempting to get more money or more things or a better job or a bigger house or notoriety or fame or more or more followers on Instagram or whatever and you realize that it's all meaningless. God is calling you to follow Jesus and to surrender to Him. Amen. For some of you, perhaps God is calling you to step up and serve because there's a great need. It might be in an area in the church with our kids ministry. Right now we have three phenomenal worship uh, uh, kids, kids leaders in the back leading our kids, maybe on the worship team, helping us in the worship team, singing or playing an instrument. It might be helping to greet or usher on a Sunday. Or maybe it's to join us at one of our outreaches to love and serve our neighbors and show them God's love like we did on this Friday. This Friday, we showed a movie night to our neighbors at Irving Square Park. We, we showed them a, it was a fun family movie night. Some of you were served and you were there and you were able to experience an awesome and fun opportunity to engage our neighbors and have conversations and, and just to serve them. Give them a, a bag of popcorn. Give them a, a cone with, with cotton candy and just serve people and just put a smile on their faces. You were there to engage them in conversation and to give some a glimpse of Jesus through your words and actions. God calls. What is God calling you to do? Here's the second thing that we're going to see. Number two in your notes. God loves Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. Here's what it says. It's in your notes. It's on the screen. It says this. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. God loves. Here's what's happening. God sends Jonah with a message for the people of Nineveh, right? Here's what you need to know about Nineveh. The Bible says it was a great city. And later on, we learned that the population of Nineveh was 120,000 people. Side note, you know what's interesting? You know how many people live in Bushwick? Upwards of 120,000 people in Bushwick. Isn't that interesting? I, I don't know. I always like to pull that. I, I always, you know, whenever I see that number, it sticks out to me. It's like, what is this? Right? It, so it's a densely populated city. It was a great city, the Bible says. And it was just north of what is now modern-day Iraq. All right? So God is telling Jonah to go to the northern part of Iraq. Right? To, this is where Nineveh was. Now, here's what, what else you need to know. Nineveh was a Gentile and pagan nation. The Ninevites worshipped false gods. Among those was the prominent goddess they worshipped. Her name was Ishtar. This was the goddess that they worshipped. She was a, the goddess of love, sex, power, fertility, and desire. 
And this was their god. This was their goddess. And she definitely, you know, they, the Ninevites definitely weren't good little church boys and girls, right? They were a pagan nation, a Gentile nation, all right? They, they weren't uh, Israelites. They weren't Jewish people, right? They were, um, beyond that, they were ruthless. They were very warlike and cruel people. Uh, man, they were, they were sick, you know. They, uh, they, they were known for their cruel executions. They were known for their impalements. They would impale somebody's body for everybody to see. They would behead people. They would skin alive their prisoners. You know, it was like they, was, they would just skin their prisoners. They were like ruthless and brutal people. These are the people that God is sending Jonah to. He said, go to the northern part of Iraq to a bunch of terrorists and give them this message. Right, this is what God is telling Jonah to do. Now, what does God do for this pagan, idolatrous, and ruthless Gentile people? What does He do? He loves them. He loves them. You see, guys, by giving Jonah a message to deliver to them, I think this helps us see it a very important part, and an important thing, and that is that God loves all people. God loves all people. You know, guys, oftentimes when you read the Old Testament, when you read uh, the, uh, the books of the prophets, most of the time, God is telling a prophet to go to his own people, to go to the Jews, to go to the Israelites, to be able to communicate a message. But in this instance, God sends Jonah to a Gentile people, people that were not Israelites. Isn't that interesting? Look at what 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says. In fact, I would love if we could read this verse out loud together. Okay, it's on the screen. You ready? Go. The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Did you guys catch that? Why don't you underline the last part of that verse? It says, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. You see, God demonstrates his love towards them by giving them an opportunity to repent. He gives them an opportunity. God loved them regardless of their nationality, their skin color, their past sins, or whatever. God raises up a messenger to speak to the Ninevites. And I feel like this is such an important part for us to notice here this morning. Because God loves. And not only does He love, He loves you. He loves you. And you know what? Like the Ninevites, maybe you don't have the cleanest past. Like the Ninevites, maybe you did a lot of dirt. And maybe your back is full of sin. Your background. Maybe, maybe your past is full of a lot of letdowns and regrets. But guess what? God still loves you. Maybe you're here today and you're not even looking for God. And you have no intention to follow Him or hear from Him or, or definitely not live for Him. Guess what? God still loves you. And this might be the most important thing that you hear all day. Maybe this is what you, you, you came here for, to hear that. That God loves you. How much? Look at what Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Why don't we read this verse out loud together once again? Are you guys ready? Go. But God proves His own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, uh, why don't you guys circle the first part of that verse? It says, God proves. God, you don't have, God doesn't have to prove anything, but He proves to us that He loves us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent Jesus while we were yet sinners. Our sin, it disrupts the unity between us and God. And the Bible says that what our sin deserves is death. But instead, because of the love for you and for me, Jesus dies in our place. And His death 
is what satisfied the wrath of God that was intended for you and for me. Because He lived the perfect and sinless life. Jesus, He hung on a cross out of love for you and for me. He died on that cross out of love for you and for me. He rose from the grave conquering Satan, sin and death. And for those of us who put our faith in Jesus, we can experience forgiveness of sin and a new life in Him. What is God telling you today? What is He telling you right now? He's telling you that He loves you. God calls. God loves. And number three in your notes is this. God is present. God is present. We read it in Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. Here's what it says. It says this. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish. So God tells him, Jonah, I have a message for you. Go to the northern part of Iraq. Deliver this message to a bunch of terrorists. And what does Jonah do? Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. So check this out. Jonah received this message from God. It's a powerful message of repentance to a people that really needed to hear it. And what does he do instead? He runs. He takes off. He does the 100-yard dash to the closest boat. He, he runs as fast as he can. And he doesn't run towards his God-given calling, but away from it. He decides to hop on a boat that's heading to Tarshish. Now, here's what you need, here's what you need to know about this particular city. Tarshish was in a city, it was all the way by Spain. All right, so if he's somewhere in the Middle East, he's taking a boat all the way down somewhere by the, the coast of Spain. As far as Jonah was concerned, it was the end of the known world. All right, so that was like saying, you know, I'm going to take a boat to Japan. Like, or, or, you know, I'm going to run away from God. The farthest as I can go. The known world, this is what they knew. Is I'm going to the ends of the earth. He was going the exact opposite direction of where God had called him to go. It was the absolute farthest that he, he could have run. It was the exact opposite direction that God was asking of him. And the Bible says that Jonah even paid the fare. Why don't you underline that part or circle it in your note. It says he paid the fare. He paid the fare to get on the boat in his attempt to run away from God. He paid the fare in his attempt to run away. Guys, disobedience is very expensive. And to disobey, you got to pay a price. There's a price you pay. The consequences can be very costly. And Jonah paid the price. He's like, man, I don't want to do what God's calling me to do. How much does it cost? A thousand bucks to get on this boat to Spain? Here you go. I'm getting on it because I want to run away from God. The Bible says that he paid. Underline in your notes where it says there that Jonah got up to flee from the Lord's presence. Underline that first part right there. He, he, he attempted to run away to flee from the Lord's presence. This is such a significant a sentence. If you, want to, if you want to put a star, if you want to circle in your notes where it says the word down. You guys see where it says down? It says it twice here. Next week we're going to read it a couple more times. Circle down. Down. It says that he went down. You see what we're seeing unravel right before our eyes is the descent and the decline of Jonah's relationship with God. He's going He's, a, he's a, Not only is he attempting to run from God and to flee from God, now he's heading down to Joppa. Now, not only did he go down to the boat, but his relationship and his connection with God, guess what? It's down. 
It's down. We're seeing the decline of his relationship and his connection to God. Down. And guys, that is what sin will do. That is what running from God will do. Some of you find yourself in this decline right now. Your walk with Christ has been a slow decline for some time now. You don't pray like you used to. You don't read God's word like you used to. You're not gathering and you're not enjoying God's people like you should. And oftentimes, it's because we're like Jonah. We're too hard-headed. We're too strong-willed. We want to do what we want to do. And we run from God because we're hard-headed. By the way, how dumb is that statement? Running from God, hiding from God. I think that's in there because the author of Jonah wants us to be like, that's so dumb. How can you hide from God? How can you flee from God? How can you hide from an all-powerful, all-knowing, always-present God? But listen, guys, sin will make you do some stupid things, won't it? Sin will make you do some stupid things. And I think that's why, that's why the author left that in there to be like, how, how, can you, how can you hide from God? It's impossible. He's everywhere at all times. That's exactly why. That's why the psalmist said this. Why don't we read this verse out loud together? Two verses in the book of Psalms. You ready? Go. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. What are you running from? What are you running from? Why are you attempting to flee from God? Some of you are running from a calling that God has placed on your life. There's a specific task that God has called you to. You're running away from it. Some of you are running away from God and running towards sin. God has called you to a life of godliness and, and holiness, but instead, in your rebellion, you'd rather live a loose and sinful life. You'd rather please your flesh, please your desires, please your passions, instead of living to please and honor God. Some of you have been running away from community and the family of God and relationship, the family of God that God has placed around you. He's given you a family to belong to, to do life with, to laugh with, to cry with, to serve with. But you invent a million and one excuses as to why you're too busy and you don't have time and you don't need community and you're too shy or you're too loud or whatever excuse that's going through your head right now. But let me try to bring some comfort to you right now. Let me try to bring some encouragement. I hope this is encouraging to you because it is. God is present. And you can't outrun God. You can't hide from God. And even in your, in your disobedience, even in your attempt to flee, even in your attempt to run away, guess what? He is there to console you, to love you, to forgive you, to strengthen you, to lift you up, to give you courage, to give you purpose, to restore you. He is there. Now, as we wrap up our time, I want to conclude this way. And it's important, you see, because when we read the Bible, it's so important uh, that, that we read it this way, that we notice this. Because a lot of times we read the Bible and we be like, all right, Jonah's the bad guy. I'm not Jonah. I'm the good guy, right? Jonah's the bad guy. And it's so important that we don't read the Bible that way. It's so important that we see that actually all of God's word is inspired by God and points us to Jesus. You see, Jesus is the better Jonah. Jonah attempted to hide from God and run away from God's call. And he even paid a fare to do it. But Jesus, he's the better Jonah. And Jesus paid the fare 
but not to run away from God's call. Instead, he runs towards it out of love for you and for me. Jesus ran towards the cross to carry the burden of your sin and my sin and the burden of of our sin upon his back. And for your sin and for my sin, he was beaten and he was battered and he was bruised and he was scourged and he was whipped and he was nailed to a cross and hung to die. He did it for me and he did it for you. He's the better Jonah. And only in Christ can you experience this forgiveness of sin. Only through Christ can you have your relationship with God restored. Then you don't have to hide from God's presence. You can enjoy it. If you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, I just want to give you an opportunity to do so. That's why these connection cards are so important. Because on the back, if you notice on the next steps, if everybody would take it out right now, there's some next steps there. And if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus and you just feel it in your heart of hearts, you know that that God is calling you right now to surrender to Him, then check that off right there. And we would love to follow up with you and put a what's next kit into your hands and let you know what's next in your walk with Christ. The Bible says that when a new person comes to Christ, when he surrenders, when they surrender their life to Christ, that there's a party in heaven. And if there's a party in heaven with the angels, I want to party with the angels. And so if that's you, check that off. We want to follow up with you. We want to celebrate, encourage you. We want to be your family to come help you around and take those next steps. Take that next step today. I encourage you um, today if that's you. Would you guys join me in prayer as we close this time? Lord, would you help us in our rebellion? How silly of us to think that we can outrun and hide from an ever-present, all-knowing, all-powerful God. Forgive us for our sinful desire to carry out our own plan over obeying and submitting to you. Thank you that you are a God that calls, that you are a God that loves, that you are a God that is present. Thank you, Jesus, for running towards the cross so that we might be called children of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.